And that's what equity crowdfunding is. It's the opportunity to back founders early, early on when maybe they just have a pitch deck or maybe they just have their first million dollars in revenue or whatever it may be. They're still a very early days company. And instead of just getting a t-shirt or a hat in exchange for giving them money, you're actually getting equity that you now own in that company. On this episode of Early Bird, Chris Lustrino, founder and CEO for King's Crowd, a ratings and analytics platform for online private markets. Chris stops by to share his insights on equity crowdfunding, talk about recent company news, and discuss what investors should know before getting into equity crowdfunding. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. So, uh, Chris, thank you for, for joining us tonight. No problem. I'm really glad to be here, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, tell the audience a little bit about, you know, what you've been up to the past few years, um, how King's Crowd got off the ground, and, and, and what is King's Crowd, in case the audience may not be aware about what it is. Sure thing. Happy to do that. So, you know, what is King's Crowd? Um, you know, if you are an individual who enjoys investing um, in the public markets, right, in Google and Facebook and Disney and all these companies, uh, you most likely at some point or another have used something called, you know, Morningstar or Bloomberg or Motley Fool or any of the research publications that exist out there. And so what we become accustomed to as investors is utilizing resources that provide research and data and diligence on public equities that we can invest in and basically help us make informed investment decisions in a way that we might not be able to do so on our own. And so what we're doing at King's Crowd is we're really taking that concept and we're building it for this emergence of the new online private markets as we define it. So a few years ago, it became legal for anyone in the United States to be able to invest in startups and private companies. Up until 2016, it was literally illegal, unless you were a millionaire, to invest in startups um, and companies that weren't listed on something like NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, which was a real shame because most companies' best growth and all of the really exciting growth of the company happens before they ever go public. Typically today, when companies are going public, they're already worth billions of dollars. And so that growth from being worth a couple of million of dollars to a billion dollars is captured by institutional investors before the company ever goes public. And so what we help do is we provide all of the research, diligence, and data tools you need in order to make informed investment decisions into private equities that are now accessible to you to own online. Wow. So certainly, I believe you're the first, the first company of its kind to offer something like that. How did, how did you kind of get started in this world of uh, equity crowdfunding? 
Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, end of the day, I was uh, I was working at my old job, sitting at my desk, feeling unfulfilled, um, and feeling like you know I wanted to do something that mattered, right? And at the same time, I was living through this painful experience of working on behalf of private equity shops and venture capitalists that were getting to invest their money into really exciting companies and sometimes really not exciting companies, but bad companies. And I was sitting there and I was helping them do the diligence and do the research on these organizations. And I remember sitting there and going, wait a second, why can't I invest in these private companies? I'm the one running point on all the research anyway. And it was really that notion and thing that stuck with me that caused me to go and and literally look up online, why can't I invest in private companies? And learned about all the rules that existed that forbade individuals like myself, even though I worked on behalf of private equity clients and was paid a ton of money by those private equity shops, why I couldn't invest. They were trying to protect the individual investor. But fortunately, all of those rules were changing back in 2013, 2014, when I was working in the private equity space. And that got me really, really excited. So Anyway, you know, it, it became a passion project. I started investing in all of these companies online and real estate and lending club. I was using, you know, their investor notes to invest in personal consumer loans, all of these different things. And I was writing a blog about it at the same time and kind of doing a, you know, the old fake it till you make it. Um, I was finding my way into getting conversations with the biggest CEOs in this industry, uh, being invited to the biggest events, getting on awards list. Um, and in 2018, that was acquired. Um, you know, went from a side hustle and, and basically became the origins of building King's Crowd today mm. um, into the business that it is. So now that it's sort of growing, recently, I know King's Crowd, you've made two pretty big announcements, uh, especially two big announcements for such a young company that's only a few years old. One, an acquisition in the equity crowdfunding space, and the other, um, a bit of irony, but raising money in the equity crowdfunding space as, as well. Can you go go over that? Uh, just kind of go over what those two things are? Absolutely. So first off, I'm a huge believer that, you know, you should eat your own dog food, right? If we believe that the future is raising capital online for private companies, then we ourselves have to prove that. We have to go down the same path. So when we started this company, you know, we took this from an idea on a piece of paper, literally an idea on a piece of paper, and we went out and we raised our first $120,000 from about 85 investors. It took me about 12 weeks to do that, plus a couple of months preparation, getting the business off the ground and actually creating um, the business from kind of thin air, right? And, and it was with that that we got the business going. And then we went and raised another 50K on a platform called Start Engine. And this is back in 2018, 2019. And then we started to prove ourselves. And we actually made a couple of acquisitions Um, back in 2018 and 2019 um, that brought on some really key team members and users and growth. We ended up raising a million dollars back in 2020, and then we raised another million dollars, and all of this is happening online. So we have over 2,100 investors to date that have backed us with over $2.2 million. They own over a quarter of our company. I mean, I think personally, that to me is really, really rewarding. But more importantly, they've become ambassadors of our business, customers of our business. I, I mean, they've become so incredibly integral to what it is that we're doing here at King's Crowd today. Um, so fortunately, we were now able to announce that, you know, we've raised all of our early money, but now we can go back out and raise our Series A. We're raising $15 million in our Series A. 
Um, really, really excited about this. We're on the Republic platform if you want to go and check us out. Um, and this is a huge opportunity for us to continue to grow with our own investor community, our own customer community, and show that the best companies in the world are raising capital online. And in addition, we announced that we've made our fourth acquisition as an organization to date. It's a company called Crowdwise. Uh, Crowdwise was the leading or is the leading provider of educational resources for this market. Um, so if you're trying to learn about how to invest into the online private markets, I heavily recommend going to our new property, crowdwise.org. And we're very fortunate to be bringing on Brian Belay, who is the founder of Crowdwise, as our VP of product. Brian also built an incredibly powerful tool called Venture Wallet, which is a portfolio management tool for managing all of your startups that you may be investing in on these various platforms, like Republic.co, like WeFunder.com, like StartEngine.com, so on and so forth. And so we'll be taking a lot of the capabilities that he's built and bringing them into our universe with the portfolio management tool that we've already built. So we're really, really excited about both announcements. Um, and we think both of them are really good indicators for the overall market. Wow. Congratulations. That's, that sounds really exciting. So you have, uh, Chris, this, this, this new area where investors can pour their money into. So let's kind of go into that real quick. Um, you mentioned Republic. You mentioned Start Engine. There, there are several of these websites. Just give a quick overview. What exactly is equity crowdfunding for people who are still new to the space? Sure. So I'll, I'll break down kind of the two worlds that people probably already know about and then help you understand what this new world is. So the world that you may know about is, you know, your brokerage account, right? You probably in the last year heard about Robinhood with all the meme stocks and whatnot. But stocks are essentially just public companies that are offering you the ability to own equity in those organizations. So like I said, you might have investments in Google and Facebook and Twitter and all of these companies that have gone and listed on platforms like NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange. You don't even realize that NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange exist because most likely you're accessing all of these, these investment opportunities from your brokerage account, right? So that's kind of the public equities world. There are marketplaces and there are brokerage accounts and then you as an individual are going and finding those investment opportunities within your brokerage account. Then there's this whole other world that emerged over the past you know, decade and a half which is the rewards-based crowdfunding space, right? So that was people had really cool ideas, you know, uh, a balloon that you could fill up 20 balloons at one time, uh, you know, some sort of cool watch or monitoring device, actually Oculus, um, which ended up selling to Facebook for a billion dollars. They all went and they did these rewards-based crowdfunding rounds. And what that meant was they said, hey, in order to get off the ground and build out our concept, we are asking potential customers to come and basically give us money in exchange for access to our products early on and some fanware. Maybe you got a t-shirt and a hat, whatever else for being an early supporter. And so it was truly rewards-based crowdfunding. You gave money and in exchange, you would get back a product early or some sort of you know fan gear to say, hey, I was an early backer of this company. Mm-hmm. So that's rewards crowdfunding and you probably heard of Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Now, back in 2016, what emerges is called equity crowdfunding. And equity crowdfunding kind of takes the best of both of those worlds that I just mentioned. It says people should be able to invest in these really cool early stage ideas, but they should be able to own equity. Let's put those two worlds together. And that's what equity crowdfunding is. It's the opportunity to back founders early, early on when maybe they just have a pitch deck or maybe they just have their first million dollars in revenue or whatever it may be. They're still a very early days company. 
And instead of just getting a t-shirt or a hat in exchange for giving them money, you're actually getting equity that you now own in that company. Um, and a great way to, to understand the magnitude or the opportunity that comes from investing in early stage companies, if you had invested $100 in Uber back in, I think it's 2008 or 2009, right around when they were being founded, right? If you had invested $100, which is typically the minimum that you have to invest into these companies, at IPO, it would have been worth $1.7 million, which is obviously very transformational. Not a lot of opportunities like that come along. I'm not saying you're going to get rich doing this, but backing early stage companies provides you the potential opportunity to have really outsized returns while backing people that you believe in in their earliest days as an organization. It's been an incredible journey for Chris and his company. King's Crowd. When we return, we'll hear from Chris about trends in equity crowdfunding and where this type of investment would fit into a portfolio. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, Investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So you talked about some of the regulation changes that brought about the start of the equity crowdfunding industry just a few years ago. But there have also been other trends as well. Um, I, I guess one of those trends has been the generational shift of investors that we've seen in the market, especially with Gen Z, right? Absolutely. We've seen some really interesting shifts and we're hearing it both from individuals and from institutions telling us this. So um, if you know, you're a Twitter user and if you're into venture capital and investing, you've probably seen there's been a lot of kind of fodder out there about um, the rise of community capital. And what community capital really is, it's this idea of bringing together your customers and taking your customers and having them be investors and building those relationships and really having people involved in your organization and having those companies matter more than just the objective of making money. Um, it's very much kind of this Gen Z and millennial trend that's occurring. We're seeing this whole new wave of Gen Z investors that their whole world is about ESG and social impact and backing female founders and minority founders and they care about these things. And what we're hearing from wealth advisors and RIAs and family offices is they're hearing from their clientele that as they're they're you know getting the dollars, their inheritance from their parents, they're not wanting to be in, you know, ExxonMobil because it has a good dividend. They're wanting to back the next big idea and the thing that's going to bring about, you know, a clean tech revolution and all of these different things. And so there's just these really interesting dynamics occurring because a new age of investor really, really cares about where their money's going and the impact that it's having. And that's leading to all of these investors looking for earlier stage investments where all of the really exciting things are occurring. Got it. And so in... in the public space, we've seen that where a lot of companies that have emphasized ESG, environmental, social governance, they've seen a big uptick in investments. And so you're saying we're also seeing that in the private market and startup space as well? 
huge. You know, the, the traditional venture industry um, has been given a hard time and for good reason. You know, they've done a terrible job of diversifying into backing female founders, or they think even still last year, only about 2% of all funding went to female founders. Hmm. And to say that only 2% of funding was justified, or, or to think that only two, you know, there was only enough companies for 2% of all VC dollars of good companies, you know, created by female founders, it's just total ludicrousness. And if you're a minority, that number goes down dramatically more to like, you know, tenths of a percent. And it's absolutely absurd. And you just think about all of the opportunities, all of the companies that are being missed in the Midwest, or in the Midwest that aren't in San Francisco or New York or Boston and the key cities that you need to be to get funding. Or if you don't look like the right person or you don't have the right connections because your dad isn't at that country club with the VC, right? Like that's the world we were in. And now we're seeing this emergence of these open marketplaces where anyone can back anyone. And it becomes more about who has the best idea and the best execution rather than who do you know. So just to give you a sense, Republic, right, one of the biggest platforms that's out there that we're raising capital on right now, about 30% of their funding goes to female or minority founders. Mm. Over 20% of it is going to female founders. Now, that's still not enough. But my God, is that dramatically better than the traditional world of venture capital that we've seen to date. And so this market is creating an open marketplace where anyone can access this deal flow that represents more of what we all care about, which is making our economy uh, more equitable for everyone. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but King's Crowd, which releases reports on funding in the equity crowdfunding industry, frequently uh, produces a report about uh, minority owners, female owners on a monthly basis, right? That's absolutely right. Yep. We produce that uh, data and those newsletters once a month um, to kind of funnel up those opportunities. We're adding a filter to our website so you can go and search for those companies more specifically. Um, and what this is really about doing is, is providing exposure to something that we already know people really want and just making it as easy as possible to access. Fantastic. So, from an investor's point of view, uh, how does equity crowdfunding fit into a portfolio where somebody has stocks or bonds, funds, cryptocurrency even? Um, where do you think equity crowdfunding would fit into a portfolio for the basic investor? Sure. So first off, you know, this is neither investment advice or anything like that. But for entertainment purposes, I'll give you a sense of how I think. First off, in the traditional world, what people are told is, you know, put 70% into stocks and 30% into bonds. That's been kind of the going notion for the past, you know, whatever, five decades. Um, things are changing. The reality is the only things you had available to you until five, six years ago were stocks and bonds, unless you were very, very rich. Now you can access real estate online, crypto online, collectibles online, private equity online, venture capital online. There's all of these new asset classes that have become more and more accessible. There's more data available on them. There's more historical performance on them and it's becoming mainstream. And now what's gonna happen is we're gonna take the numbers that institutions have typically utilized where over half of their investments are made into private equity deals, including real estate and other alternatives. And it's gonna start to emulate and play into what an individual's portfolio looks like. But to break it down for you know how I kind of think about it, especially because we are still in the early days, what I recommend is first off, whatever you're putting into these kind of alternatives, especially really risky ones like startups, 
is you want to start with a number that you're willing to lose. The reality is there's a very good chance because of the level of risk you take when investing in an early stage company that you could lose everything that you put into it. You're hoping if you invest in 10 or 20 companies, a few are going to hit and are going to return in a really big way. And then you have a bunch of losses that are covered by those gains. But you never know. You don't know what's going to happen. So you have to be willing to play the game, but you have to be willing to put in money that you can afford to lose. So first and foremost, make sure whatever you're putting in, you can afford to lose. Once you're comfortable with that, you know, I typically think that in your overall allocation portfolio, you should be thinking that, you know, startups, private equity probably represents five to 10% of your portfolio. Then if you have some success and you get a, a bunch of returns, you can start to use that to build up your portfolio and have it be an outsized portion. But to start out, I would think about making a five to 10% allocation and be diversified. Make sure that you're not putting 5,000 to one company, but you're putting $100 into maybe 20 companies, $100 maybe into 10 or 15 real estate deals, and $100 into three or four different cryptos or whatever it may be, and really create the best opportunity to have potential gains. I was going to ask that. What what advice would you offer to investors in terms of getting into the equity crowdfunding game? Of course, signing up for King's Crowd, I'd imagine, would be one of the things that you should probably put on top of that list because research and data, it's extremely important when you're making an investment, private or public. Um, it, it's very easy to get excited when you're looking at startups because I think founders just traditionally tend to be charismatic and excited about what they're working on. And they could get you really riled up and pumped about what they're doing. Mm. But then you need to do that gut check. And you need to do your own research. You need to do your homework. But if you're thinking about getting started, I always say, get educated, learn about startup investing. Don't just jump in, try and learn, read some books, check out our Crowdopedia on King's Crowd. It's all free articles. Just start to learn about the terminology, get comfortable with what's going on. Make sure you're asking the right questions for yourself so that you understand what you're getting into and then set an investment thesis. So don't just go and, you know, there, there's an old model called spray and pray. Personally, I don't recommend spray and pray right, where you just throw a little money at a bunch of things and hope for the best. Instead, you know, maybe if you're a nurse or a doctor, maybe say, hey, I'm going to invest in 10 healthcare companies that I think are going to redefine healthcare in the next decade. Mm. Great. That's a really good investment thesis because you feel or, or at least know more than the average individual would about that topic. So you could be a little more diligent in your process and then get started. Make small bets and, and be informed about what you're investing in. Use something like King's Crowd. Do your diligence. Research company. Go and do your own research about the market and things like that. And make sure before you invest that you feel really confident that, yeah, I've, I've kind of you know uncovered all the stones and I feel pretty confident about what I'm doing. Well, Chris, as we wrap up our interview, great advice. Um, we have one final question for you, um, kind of a personal question. If you had a, a, a soundtrack for your life, what songs would be on it? Wow. If I had a soundtrack for my life, <laughs> this is... Um, this is a good question. Boy, I have to think about that one a little bit. Um, let's see. You know, this might be a lame answer. I'm sure it is because I, I think my taste in music might be slightly lame, but that's all right. I, one of the, so I've run a few marathons um, and I'm a, a big believer that, you know, starting a company, running it, is a lot like running a marathon. It's low and slow. Even though you think it's supposed to be all about fast movements, it's actually about just lasting through the game <laughs> and also being upbeat and positive despite it being extremely hard at times. 
Um, and one of the classic playlists that I listen to is actually the Goo Goo Dolls. And they got plenty of, you know, positive, uplifting songs. And they got some that are more, you know, keep you mellow. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that out there. It's, it's probably not the best selection, but it gets me going during a marathon run and marathon training. So I'll go with that. Hey, if it helps with the marathon, it must be really good music. So. thank you again to chris lastrino for sharing your insights on equity crowdfunding and thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion we'll be back next week for another episode of early bird have a great day Mm